all the time. Amen? I want you to take your Bibles real quickly, if you will, to Psalms 51. Remain standing for just a moment. Just a moment. I want to I take you to a verse of Scripture. And I really believe you're going to leave with some help today. I really believe that with all my heart. God has been in this place all morning. And I'm thankful for His presence today. Psalm 51. Psalm 51. If you're here today and you were a first-time attender, we are so glad that you're here. And man, we want to be a blessing to you. And one way we can do that is to pray for you. And if you filled out one of those prayer cards, could you hold it up real high? Just hold it up real high. We're going to run like the wind to get them. We've got several on this side, right here in the middle, right here in the middle, several down here in the middle. Amen. Running like the wind all the way to the front. Oh, Buchanan, there we go. Grab that one right there. There we go. Teresa's got it. All right. Hey, let's give them all a hand. Let them all know we're glad they're here. Right here. Buchanan, right here, son. You need something to do, boy. Get that thing right there. All right. Isn't it good to be saved? All right. I'm going to be preaching a little bit this morning on the subject, restoring joy. Restoring joy. Joy. You say, what is joy? Webster's Dictionary says joy is a feeling, a sense of happiness, a sense of fulfillment and contentment uh, because of good fortune or well-being. Now, how many of y'all could use a little more of that stuff? A little more satisfaction, a little more fulfillment, a little more happiness. And I'm not talking about a temporary thing that comes and goes. I'm not ta- I-, I can have a temporary happiness going to McDonald's and get me an ice cream cone. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Amen? But then I go to the scales and it shows me I don't need to be eating no ice cream. Amen? And my joy is gone or my happiness is gone. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that you can have deep down inside when it's sun shining, when it's raining outside, when everything around you is falling apart, the world seems to be crumbling, and it's bad in the White House, it's bad in the State House, it's all right in the Father's house, and you can have joy. That's what I'm talking about. Jesus said it. He, he, he intended for you to have joy. We have a God who said, who said this, let these things, I'm, I'm speaking these things unto you that my joy might be in you and your joy might be full. Same God said this in John 10. Let, let, he, said, he said, the thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I am come that ye might have life and have it more abundantly. He even described joy in this way, having joy unspeakable and full of glory. Are you serious? Joy unspeakable, that means it's so good you can't describe it. I said it's so good you can't describe it. And you will have fullness of it. I don't know if you've ever been full, but that means you can't have no more. If a cup is full, you can't put no more in it. Now, when's the last time? You just had to say, God, I need you to back up. I've done got more than I can handle. I need you to slow up. I'm just too happy right now. (laughs) Hello? The Bible says we can experience fullness of joy. Now, if that's what God expects us to have, then why are there so many unhappy Christians? So many unfulfilled Christians. So many Christians that are lacking real joy. I think we can answer it today. I want, I want all that God has for me. How about y'all? Amen. Let's read it real quickly. Psalm 51. David is reading here. This is, David is messed up. 
I mean, he has really messed up. He has committed adultery. He has committed murder. He has really, really, really messed up and rebelled and disobeyed God. God has confronted him with the prophet Nathan, and David is getting right with God. This is basically David's get right chapter, Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest to me clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desired truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with the hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Let me tell you something. When you get out of the will of God, God's going to get your attention. Many scholars believe that David was out of the will of God for about a year. He had, he had remained in a, in a backslidden state for about a year. Unconfessed sin remained in his life, and God was getting his attention. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Here's a key verse, verse 11. Cast me not away from thy, what? And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore, read it with me, Here's, here, here it is. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Read it again. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. God, we praise you for an awesome crowd. We thank you even more for the precious, wonderful spirit of God that's in this place. And I pray for an anointing like no other. I pray that I'll be able to preach like I'll never get another chance. I pray your will be done. Fill us with the Holy Ghost today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to kind of tag off a little bit off of the, the subject that we preached on about uh, two or three weeks ago on relationship maintenance. We dove in and, and, and actually just kind of skimmed the surface in 1 John chapter number 1. And, uh, and I want to dig a little deeper in 1 John chapter 1, because I was really, I was really torn between these two chapters, Psalm 51 and, 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 and 1 John chapter number 1. Now, I'd encourage you, just, just don't turn to 1 John. Just trust me when I tell you what I'm telling you. It's there. And if you don't believe me, get the CD and go home, read your Bible. Say amen. amen. But I'm trying to save time. Amen. This is what 1 John says. 1 John says this, this is the apostle, the disciple John, whom the Lord loveth. It, it was the one who walked and put his head on the, on the chest of Christ to hear his heart beat. He was very, very close, had a close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus entrusted his mother to this man, and this is what he says. The things that we have seen and heard declare we unto you. What things? He said, we saw Jesus, we heard Jesus, uh, we spent time with Jesus, we had an intimate knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not the figment of somebody's imagination. He is not a fairy tale character. He is the real deal. We saw him. We had a fellowship with him. We walked with him. And I'm telling you this. He says, I'm giving you this knowledge. I am introducing you to him. It's kind of like when a, 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 a friend of mine, a friend of mine introduced me to Tammy because his girlfriend was Tammy's girlfriend and she wanted to be my girlfriend. I need a witness. So he wanted me to know her, so he introduced me to Tammy, and I'm glad he did. Amen. 
Now here's the deal. Uh, he, John is saying, I want you to know Jesus Christ. So he's given them knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says this. He said, now, now that I tell you this, I want you to have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father. So we, we see a progression here. And then after he says that, he says, and we're saying this unto you so that your joy will be full. Now here's the deal. Here's the deal. This is where we're at. All right, in 1 John chapter 1, he says, first, there comes knowledge. Say that with me. There comes, you got to know God. You got to know God. The, the bottle is not going to give you joy. A needle is not going to give you joy. An, an illicit affair is not going to give you joy. Having a bigger house is not going to give you joy. Having a Maserati or, or, or Mercedes Benz is not going to give you joy. Having more money in the bank is not going to give you joy. Say, where's joy going to come from? From knowing God. Have an intimate relationship and knowing God. The more you know him. and Amen. That right there will preach right there by itself. Know God. But see, when you get to know God, that gives you an opportunity to hang out with God. When I got to know Tammy and I met Tammy and they introduced me to Tammy, I wanted to hang out with Tammy. I wanted to spend time with her. I wanted to hang out with her. I wanted to spend every waking moment with her and spend time with her because the more I got to know her, the more time I wanted to spend with her. Are you see where I'm going? And see, here's two things, two things in this chapter. He says not only fellowship with God, but fellowship with his people. You can have fellowship, just what John says in that chapter. You can have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father. So what does that mean? If, if you want to really know how to get joy and how to have joy and how to experience joy, you got to know God, then you got to hang out with him and his people. That's what the Bible says. you got to hang out with him and his people. I found out, and I, I, as I was reading this, I went back over my life and did a little examination of my life, and the happiest times of my life is when I was hanging out with God and his people. The greatest memories I have in my life and the most joy I've ever experienced in my life is when I was around God's people being with God. Are y'all with me? Now here's what he says. Knowledge, fellowship, knowing God, fellowshipping with him and his people, and then the next thing that happens according to 1 John chapter 1 is joy. Joy. Why? Because when you know God and you hang out with God, you're in his presence. And when you're in his presence, the Bible says this, in his presence is fullness of joy. Isn't that great? That's simple. This is awesome. We can all leave and have real joy. So what's the problem? Why are there so many unfulfilled Christians? If it's that simple, and by the way, it's that simple. If real joy is going to come from that, what is the problem? I think we can go back and read Psalm 51 and find out. You see, here's the deal. There was something that was tagged on to knowledge, fellowship, and joy. Because right after he said that, then he said this, and this then is the message we have heard of him, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we walk with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him, each other, and the blood of Christ will wash our sin away. So here's the problem. 
Back in, back in Psalm 51, here's three things I want to share with you about restore. How many of y'all could use joy? Help me, help me. How many of y'all could use more than what you got now? Here's the deal. If we're going to have it restored, say that word with me. Then that means we lost it somewhere along the line. Don't you love baby Christians? I love baby Christians that don't know nothing. All the Christians that's been saved for a while and they think they know everything, they get so boring. But them baby Christians, they're exciting. Because they're happy about anything. And they're excited about anything. I, I've heard stories of my dad when he first got saved. I mean, he was a wicked guy. I mean, just a bad guy, a mean guy. And as much as he was for the devil, when he got saved, he went that way for God. As just as jacked up about, about the devil, he was that jacked up about Jesus. I'm telling you. He went to everything. If it was in the bulletin, he showed up. He went to the woman's auxiliary. And they made him go home. Said, you can't hang out. And by the way, that's my dad on the front row with the cane. Amen? You can't say, here, you got to go. He just wanted, he just excited. And then we get saved for a while. Where's that joy at now? Where's that excitement at now? Where's that shout at now? Where's that praise at now? I tell you, we need it restored. We need it restored. So if we're going to have it restored, we need to know why it left. Because if we get it back, we need to know why it left to begin with so we don't lose it again. Are y'all with me? Number one, write this down. It's quick. It's quick. I'm, I could eat a cheeseburger that big right now. I ate three pancakes this morning, and they left me about midway through the second service. So I'm, this is going to be quick. Amen. Number one, I want you to see this. Write this down. This is really important. I'm telling you guys, this is one of the most application-filled messages. If you will actually go do this, this will change your life. I say it all the time, but this is for real. This is something you can do tomorrow. Here's the deal. Today. I'd start today. Here's the deal. Number one, I want you to see the cause of its removal. We're talking about joy. Joy, the cause of its removal. Why did we lose joy? Watch this. This will help us understand everything. Watch this. Now, you remember those, you remember those three steps we took over there in 1 John? And, 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 and the reason I went there, because if you get this, you'll understand Psalm 51 better. First was, y'all remember? Oh, two people paying attention all morning. Help me. First, we have knowledge. And then when we get to know God, then we want to fellowship hang out with him and when we're in his presence in his presence say with me in his presence fellowship and we experience joy now watch this God is light that's him he's light period God is light in him is no darkness at all right if light comes darkness has to go if darkness comes light has to go you with me one, they cannot coexist. Light and darkness cannot coexist in the same place. When one comes, the other goes. When one comes, the other goes. So God is light. So he goes nowhere. He is in the light. He will be in the light. He is the light. He'll never come out of the light. Are y'all with me? If we come out of the light and we walk in darkness, you remember what he said in 1 John? If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in, then we lie. So how do you know we're lying? Because God is light. He cannot coexist in the darkness. So 
So even if he wanted to, he couldn't come in the dark. You see, God has not gone anywhere. If we have lost our joy, it is us that has left him. As long as we are in the light, we are in his presence. And as long as we are in his presence, we experience his... Are y'all getting it? There was a time in David's life when he had joy unspeakable and full of glory. There were times in David's life when he magnified God and glorified God and he would write worship songs like nobody's business. There was a time when he walked hand in hand, heart to heart. Listen, with the Lord Jesus Christ, he was close to God. He knew God. He had an intimate relationship with God and he had joy. But there come a day in his life when he walked out of the light. And he failed. And he sinned greatly. Sinned greatly. What causes Christians to lose their joy? Two things. Write this down quickly. I'll just say it to you and we'll talk about it. First, there's a disobedience in his people. There's a disobedience in God's people. Then, there's a departure from God's presence. You remember what he said, take, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Cast me not from thy, what, presence. You know, because David knew in his presence was joy. If I leave his presence, I'll have no joy. Now, I'm glad when we get saved, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. So he'll never remove the Holy Spirit from us. But there is a place where, in the, when the, when, uh, the presence of God, we will find a distance between us and him. Why? Because the Bible says in Isaiah... It says the, 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 the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save. His ears not heavy that he cannot hear. But your sins have separated you between you and your God. Now here's what I know. Some of you think you're not happy because your husband ain't handsome no more. Some of you think you're not happy because your wife don't have the same figure that she had when y'all got married. Some of you are unhappy because, you know, when you, when, you, when you kiss the prince, he turned to a frog. Amen? Some of you are unhappy because you think, oh, if I just had better kids, or if I had more money, or if I had this car, or if I had that house. No, because there's people that has all that stuff. They have a Mercedes. They have a mansion on the hilltop. They're married to a model, and they're not happy. Ask Tiger Woods. I'm not being smart. I'm just giving you an example that you can understand. His wife was a gorgeous knockout. Blonde bombshell. Has it all. He'll never be able to spend all his money. And he's not fulfilled and not satisfied and not happy. You know why? Because you're not going to find it in stuff. You're going to find it in his presence. I have met people that were crippled. They were diseased, they were broken, and they were broke, didn't have a dime to their name, sleeping on a dirt floor, and yet they were happier than anybody could ever imagine because they had the joy of the Lord that only God can give. It does not come from stuff, it comes from God. I don't know why I'm not happy. I'll tell you why you're not happy. You ain't been hanging out with him. Tell you what, my wife, my husband, not. no, don't blame nobody. Let me, give you, let me give you a verse. Let me give you a verse. David starts this way. 
Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy love and kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquities. Cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my transgression. He said, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not blaming Bathsheba. I'm not blaming anything. My sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. What is he saying? I did it. If I'm not experiencing joy, don't blame it on the preacher. Don't blame it on the church. Don't blame it on your family. Don't blame it on your job. Don't blame it on nothing because it is being in the presence of God where fullness of joy comes from. And if you hang out in his presence, you can put up with a sorry job. You can put up with a sorry husband. You can put up with a nagging wife. You can put up with all kinds of things being in his presence. But we want to we blame everybody and everything for our problems and our lack of joy when God said, come hang out with me. Amen. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting this morning. I'm just going to tell y'all. We don't like this because we would rather blame somebody else because if we can blame somebody else, then we don't have to do nothing about our situation. If I can blame somebody else, I don't have to change. This ain't in the notes. This is anointed. But if we'll take knowledge, if we will take, listen, responsibility and say, the reason I don't have joy. And by the way, I really thought about this because I thought, well, you know, God, some people, you know, they're good people, but such and such happened in their life. Circumstances do not cause or remove joy. The only thing that could cause you to lose your joy is getting out of his presence. And the only thing that could drag you out of his presence is sin. Sin. It's the only thing. There ain't a demon in hell could drag you out of the presence of God. There ain't never been one created that's ever been strong enough to pull you out of the presence of God. If you get loose out of the presence of God, it is because of sin. And David said, I'm, I'm broken. All right, we see the cause. Now, will we all stand in agreement of the cause of removal? It's sin. We've allowed something to creep in between us and God and we're no longer in his presence and because we're no longer in his presence, we're not experiencing the joy of the Lord. Well, number two, write this down. I want you to see the conditions of restoration. The conditions of restoration, what do we do? What do we do? If we know sin is separating us, if we know sin is dividing us out of his presence, what do we do about it? Two things, write these two words down. Two words right here. If we're going we're gonna to get our joy back, and I want it back, I want it back for you. I want you to have joy even if you don't think you need it. I want us all to leave here with great joy. It takes two things, contrition in the heart and confession in the mouth. Contrition in the heart and confession in the mouth. You say, where do you get that? The Bible says here in Psalms 51, verse 16, this is what David said. For thou desirest not sacrifice, or else I would have given it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. In other words, what David is trying to say is, hey, I'm not at, God's not after your money. If I could get joy by paying for it, I'd be in trouble because I can't pay for it. God's saying, it's not about that. It's not about penance. It's not about what you can do for me. He says, this is all I'm looking for. This is what God says. For thou desirest not sacrifice, or else I'd give it. Or thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a... 
broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. The word contrite means crushed. It means broken. It means crushed. Doesn't it irritate you when somebody apologizes to you and they look like a smart aleck? I'm sorry. I want to just... You ain't sorry. Don't, why you, don't even act. You're not sorry. You don't even look sorry. People that are sorry look sorry. People that are truly sorry are broken. You know why there's so many Christians without joy? It's becoming to God. And, 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 and they're not sorry because they broke his heart. They're sorry they got caught. And they're not sorry because God's heart was broke over our rebellious attitude and our sin. They're sorry because they're paying the consequences of their stupidity. I'll give you an illustration. There was another king of Israel. He was crazy. His name was Saul. Y'all remember him? He's the first one. When, when the nation of Israel was crying out, give us a king, give us a king, give us a king. Be careful what you ask God for. He may give it to you. He gave him old crazy Saul. And Saul had problems. Saul had issues. And he messed up. Now watch. This is so important that you get this. Please get this. But Saul didn't mess up near as bad as David messed up. David was an adulterer. Saul didn't commit adultery. David was a murderer. Saul didn't commit murder. But two of them had two different responses to their sin. You see, all, all Saul did was God said, go and destroy the whole place. Destroy every person, destroy the king, destroy all the animals, obliterate it, remove the presence of that place off the face of the earth. And he saved the best animals and he kept the king alive. Now to me, that's not near as bad as what David did. David took another man's wife, committed adultery with her, got her pregnant, and then when he saw that he was in trouble and they was going to have to hide their sin, he had her wife or her husband killed. How black is that sin? And he thought he had it hid. But guess what? God confronted both of them. When, when God sent the prophet Samuel to Saul, Saul said, oh, okay. you know, hey, it was other people. It was other when they wanted to save these people. You know, hey, it was, I'm sorry. Hey, just, hey, worship with me. Don't, don't leave, don't leave. Uh, let's do some worship together so they think you're, you're happy with me. He wasn't broken over his disobedience. He cared more about what the people around him thought than what God thought about the situation. And you know what, God? God said, you're losing the kingdom. He had the kingdom snatched away from him because he didn't have a broken heart. He didn't have contrition in spirit. But look at David. David was ten times, in my opinion, and that's just my opinion, ten times worse what David did. But when he was, he was confronted by the prophet Nathan, this is what he said, Oh, God. Oh, God. My sin is ever before me. I acknowledge my transgression. I acknowledge my, my sin. I acknowledge my iniquity. Oh, God. I, I've done wickedly. Oh, God. Oh, God. God can y'all see and read and sense the the brokenness in his spirit by reading Psalms 51 
And you see, there was a totally different response. Because God's not looking for a sarcastic attitude and somebody that's upset because they're paying the consequences of their, their disobedience or because they got caught. God wants your heart broken. In this confession stuff, in 1 John chapter number 1, it says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now let me give you a news flash. That doesn't mean I did it. God knows you did it. God saw you do it. God knew you was going to do it before you did it. God don't need you to tell him you did it. This is what it means. If you'll study the word out, it means to uh, come to agreement, to speak the same thing. What does that mean? It, this is what it truly means, that you come to a point in your life, in your confession, that you say, God, I feel what you feel about this. God, I come into agreement with this sin. I, I, I agree with you how heinous this is. I, I agree with you and how you feel about it. Uh, you see, you've got to understand how God feels about sin. It costs Jesus his life. If we're going to get our joy back, we've got to come with a broken spirit and a broken heart. And, a true, and by the way, just be real. That's all God is saying here. Just be real. Don't be fake. Don't come up with a facade. Don't come up with a hip, just a, with hypocrisy and a mask and trying to play a game. Just come get real with God. You don't have to crawl down the aisle on your knees and cry all the way here so you, you can show God you're serious. Just be serious. Just be real with God. A broken and contrite heart God will not despise. It's amazing what happens when we just get real with God. God can do incredible things. How do we get our joy back, preacher? Contrition in the heart, confession in the mouth. Number three, quickly, quickly. We saw, we saw the reason, the cause of joy's removal. We saw, uh, listen, what we need to do to get it back. Now watch what David says about what will happen when we get it back. Watch what David says will happen when we get it back. This is the conclusion of its return. In other words, what's going to take place in our life when God restores that joy that we've lost because of our sin? Watch what it says right here in this verse. Verse 13. He said in verse 12, if you'll restore me the joy of thy salvation, he says verse 13, then, then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Well, when I saw this, it blessed my heart. What will happen? What will happen when we have our joy returned, there will be a passion for the fallen. You know who cares more about broken people than any, anybody? Broken people. You know who's the most active in our addictions program? People that used to be addicted. You know who cares more about people that's gone through divorce? People that's gone through divorce. You know what David is saying here? He said, oh, if you'll just give me my joy back, I'll tell everybody about this. I'll tell everybody to keep them. From, and by the way, if you'll go look at the Proverbs and look at what, what Solomon taught his, his generation and his son, you'll find out what David taught Solomon was a lot different than what David taught Absalom. 
Because all, all through the Proverbs, you'll find Solomon warning people about strange women. Oh, don't, be no, don't go into that adulterous bed. Don't be messing with her. When she flatters you with her eyes, you turn the other way and run. You know where he got that from? King David. Because David said, if you'll restore my joy, I'll tell everybody what's happened to me because I don't want this to happen to nobody. Are y'all with me? How many of y'all remember, remember this verse? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is as a roaring lion, roameth about seeking whom he may devour. Y'all seen that verse in the Bible? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is as a roaring lion, and he roameth about seeking whom he may devour. Who said that? Peter said that. And you know why Peter said that? Because there was a day in the Gospels when he was standing before the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus said, Peter, your flesh is willing, but your, sp or your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. You're going to deny me. He said, oh, no, I won't. He said, I'll never deny thee. I'll never. Listen, they can all run out on you. I love you more than anybody. I'll die before I run out. Y'all know what happened. He denied the Lord three times. He wept bitterly. He went out. Because see, listen, Peter knew what it felt like to have Satan's teeth in his back. He knew that there was a roaring lion because he'd done felt his claws before. And after God restored him, after God converted him, after God put him back where he rightfully belonged and put the joy of the Lord back in his heart, he wanted to warn everybody about that same line. Amen. Hey, the people that are most conscious about sin are the people that's been delivered from the most of it. Amen. I like this one too, and, and I'll hurry. I'll hurry. Not only, not only will there be a passion for the fallen, watch what he says in verse number, verse number 14. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and Watch this. He said, then will I teach. Then he says, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. When we get our joy back, there'll be a passion for the fallen, and there'll be a praise for the Father. You'll get a shout you never had before. You'll get so excited. You'll get so tickled, because nobody worships like forgiven people. I got a word for some of y'all in here. Some of y'all are worship inspectors. You come in here and you inspect everybody and you watching them and you critiquing them and you criticizing and just because they don't do it like you do it, you think they're wrong. You don't like the way they raise their hand. You don't like the way the tears drip off their face. You don't like the way they shout. You don't like anything they do because they're just not dignified enough for you. Well, I got something to tell you today. There was another man in the Bible who was a worship inspector. And he was inspecting this woman who came to Jesus, and his name was Simon. And Jesus was in Simon's house, and this woman came into Jesus' presence. This was a woman of reputation. Are y'all with me? She had many issues in her life, and she had come to God before and found forgiveness. And when she came into the presence of Jesus Christ, she could not contain herself anymore. She could not control what was going on, and she began to weep at his feet, and her tears dropped and hit his feet, and she began to kiss his, his feet uncontrollably. And Inspector Simon said this. He didn't say it. He thought it. He thought, hmm, if he would have known who she is, huh, he's supposed to be a prophet. What kind of prophet? If he'd have known who she was, he wouldn't even let her touch him. Oh, 
one problem with that. Jesus knows what you're thinking. And some of y'all are in trouble already. He said, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. It's a bad thing when Jesus has to say, I have somewhat to say unto thee. He said, Simon, let me ask you a question. He said, if a man had a small debt and another man had a great debt, if both of them was forgiven of their debt, who would be the most appreciative? He said, well, obviously the one with a great debt. He said, well, Simon, let me tell you something. This woman came into my house. She has not ceased to kiss my feet. She has not ceased to cry. She is here showing me love and affection and worshiping me, not, because, not to get forgiveness, but because she was already forgiven. And Simon, you ain't done a blessed thing. Now, now, now oh, 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 oh. what does that mean? That means this. He did not understand what cost her praise. He did not understand that this woman had been forgiven much. There was a day in her life when she was walking down the street broken and in despair because her life was a mess. But she heard the voice of the Nazarene saying, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come unto me, ye that are hungry, I'm the bread of life. Come unto me, ye that are thirsty, because I'm the living water. If your dreams have died, I'm the resurrection and the life. And she believed him. Now, now here's the deal. Before you get too critical in the house of God, you need to watch your mouth and watch what you're thinking because you don't know the crack house they came out of. You don't know where they come from. You don't know the hole that God found them in. Don't be critical of nobody because when you're forgiven, you're going to praise God. He said, God, if you'll give me my joy back, God, if you'll give me my shout back, I won't cease to praise you. I'll tell everybody. I don't care what they think. I don't care what they say. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just thankful I got my joy back. I'm going to praise you anyhow. Yes, amen, amen, amen. Isn't God good? Aren't you glad you came to church? Now listen, that joy is available right now. Now, in a minute, we're going to pray. Matter of fact, why don't we go ahead and get the music ready? Because there's some folks that need to get down here. I came to God this morning because there's things in my life I had to get, get out. Because I don't want to be a Christian as every head's bowed and every eye closed. I don't want to be a Christian without joy. I don't want to be a Christian without happiness and fulfillment. I don't want to be a Christian without satisfaction. And I want everything that God has for me. I want Christians all over the building right now. Christians all over the building. You need more joy? Come on, let's ask for it. Let's come and give God our best. Say, God, I want it back. I'm on, I'm God, I, I'm asking with a broken spirit and a broken heart. I'm, I'm not going to blame nobody else for my unhappiness. I'm not going to blame anybody else for my lack of joy. I'm not going to blame any situation or circumstance for my lack of peace. I'm going to come to you and say, God, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. We ought to fill these altars up. There ought to be Christians coming from everywhere. Saying, God, give me my joy back. God, give me my peace back. Give me my hope back. Give me my satisfaction back. Give me what the devil stole from me. Oh, God, bless everybody that comes all over the building. Come on, just, just crowd around, just crowd around. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you.
God, there's folks at this altar come just getting real with you. Lord, they're just getting real with you. They're coming with a, a, a broken spirit and a broken heart. They're coming with a, a spirit of desire, Lord, a spirit of hope, wanting joy back in their life, wanting that fulfillment back in their life, wanting that satisfaction back in their life. Lord, wanting that peace back in their life. Lord, we only know it only comes through your, your touch. It only comes through your presence. Being in the presence of God, we find fulfillment in your presence. God, help us to get back to that place. Help us to come out of the darkness and into the light. Help us to come out of the shade and into the light. Help us to come out of any area that would hinder you from moving in our life. God, help us to get the unforgiveness out. Help us to get the bitterness out. Help us to get the sin out. Help us to get the lust out. Help us to get the, the, the gossip out. Help us to get everything out that would hinder you from moving in our heart. I pray that your will be done. God, let the joy of the Lord be our strength. And Lord, I pray that you'll help the redeemed of the Lord say so this morning. God, will praise you. God, will thank you. We'll glorify your name, for you are worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You pray as long as you need to. We're going to stand to our feet, congregation. Stand to your feet. We're going to sing. You need to come. You say, Preacher, I need to get saved. But we got people at this altar. We've got people at this altar. Be glad to take a Bible. Show you how to be saved. Hallelujah. God bless them. Lord, I will serve you. If you need somebody to pray with you, we'll be glad to pray with you. my dying We'll be glad day. to pray with you. Yeah, Carla, help, help others find a way. I'm at your mercy. If you're a gentleman, if you're a gentleman and you're going to be baptized, if you'll come to this door right over here. If you're a young lady and you're going to be baptized, you come to this door right over here. And we'll be glad to help you. If you're a gentleman, you're going to be baptized, come to this door right over here. If you're a lady, you're going to be baptized, come to this door over here. Everybody else sing. Help us sing. God is speaking to your heart about salvation. Come on. God is speaking to your heart about hope or help. Come on. We'll pray with you. We'll pray with you.